in every tribe on earth. So it's something gigantic here. And they have come out of great tribulation. So somebody, oh, well, we're not going to go through into the tribulation. Well, God's people have always gone through tribulation. But here's a special one. It's called the great tribulation. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. The great tribulation. That's one that's never happened before, nor ever will again. It's one that is distinct from every other tribulation. And boy, they've been all, all along. So these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Nothing but the blood of the Lamb. These are there because of the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne, <coughs> who is the Lord, shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Years ago, all the old timers, they would say, there ain't no tears in heaven. And I was amazed when I read chapter 7. If God wipes away their tears in heaven, there must be tears in heaven. Where did they come from? They didn't come from heaven, of course. Where did they come from? Look what he says. And they shall hunger no more. Do you think maybe they were going hungry during the tribulation, the great tribulation? Yeah. When, when a quarter of wheat for a penny? Huh? I think so. And neither thirst anymore. The waters turned to blood. Fountains and rivers and streams. There ain't enough chlorine to take care of all that. Neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. Well, the sun, the sun's going to blister everybody that's under it. And there's tears there. And the Lord shall wipe them away. So there they are in heaven after the great tribulation. But actually, that's not what I'm preaching about. I want to talk to you about what they're singing about. And that is salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Revelation 1, 5. There is the theme that we'll be singing. Somebody said, well, oh, y'all got that old slaughterhouse religion. Always talking about the blood. Yes, we are. Were it not for the blood of Jesus Christ being shed by the perfect sinless Son of God, we'd have nothing to talk about. And how long are we going to be talking about it? We'll be talking about it throughout all eternity. And if that bores you, if that turns you off, I'm sorry, because that's what it is here. And now what it's going to be where the others are, it ain't going to be that. It's going to be something far worse than that. Well, what is it that they're singing about? Salvation. Well, Salvation, some of these words, I know that 
Some people have heard people getting saved and rolling down an aisle, hooping and hollering. Well, that ain't salvation, folks. It just is not salvation. Has nothing to do with it. Salvation, sozo in the Greek, it means to be delivered from harm. And I want us to see what we have in salvation. What does salvation do for the saved? Number one, it saves us from the guilt and condemnation of our own sin and liability and punishment. That's what salvation does. Without salvation, I stand as a hell-bound, hell-deserving, abominable sinner. I deserve nothing but the due justice of my sin, and my sin would cause me to be in hell for eternity. Now, let me tell you, when you, when you begin to talk like this, it puts you in a different category. If you're, if you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, if you're a witness, passing out tracts, and you begin to talk to people like this, they put you in another category because you are. You're not the normal religionist. The normal religionist, you can hear it on television, you can hear it, the Joel Osteens and all that. Oh, God loves everybody. Oh, I'm okay and you're okay. We'll be all right. And ultimately everybody's going to be saved. Nobody dies and goes to hell. You can hear it at funerals. While most funerals, there hadn't been a lost person buried in, in 200 years. Somehow they all miraculously get saved from the coroner's office to the, to the coffin. And they've just now been saved and God has received them and now they've become an angel. Well, they don't become an angel. They, they remain what they are. But if they died out of Christ, they died without the blood of the Lamb and they go ex- immediately to hell. Now that's nice company that so you don't talk like that. Yes, I must talk like that. Old Brother Walker used to say, well, if I was going to go to go to a place and be there for, for eternity, I'd want to know something about it before I ever got there. And that's what he'd say when he'd preach on hell. Well, he was right. So anyway, salvation saves us from the guilt and the judgment of sin. Now, that doesn't mean I can do anything I want to do. Matter of fact, once a man or woman is saved, they have a new heart in them, and they don't want to sin nearly as much as they do. Now, we'll never get rid of all of it, but we're trying to grow out of it. You know what sanctification is? It is a growth process, and we're growing and changing. So, well, I've always been that way. Well, I tell you what, I don't want to remain like I, like I always been. I ain't proud of what I always have been. What I always have been in myself was a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner, a rebel against God. I don't want to remain there. I want to be on God's side. 
Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Well, I am, and I want to make sure that I'm on the Lord's side. Make sure you are. And so, the punishment of my sins. What is the punishment? Like it or not, the Bible teaches eternal punishment for sin. Now, there's a lot of people that don't like that. There are so-called preachers that don't like that, and they try to steer people away from that, but they're lying to the people. There is punishment, and it is eternal. It lasts throughout all eternity. Next, salvation saves us from the wrath of God. Now, we don't like for people to get mad at us. Nobody does. If you've got any kind of sensitive nature at all, you don't want your mom and daddy mad at you, do you? I don't. I don't want my wife mad at me. I don't want my children mad at me. I can live through that. But but I don't want people, I don't want my church members mad at me. I really don't. But you know the one I worry about more than anybody? It's God's all, God Almighty. I don't want God angry with me. Paul said in Galatians, said, if, if I would please me and I cannot be the servant of Christ. So who am I trying to please? Everybody else or God? Now when I try to please God according to his word, you shouldn't find anything to get mad at me over. If you're a child of God. But now the Bible says that outside of Christ, the wrath of God abides on our heads. So here's people out lost. You don't need to try to tell lost people that they need to do better. There was an old Methodist preacher, Sam Jones was his name. And uh, one of his sermons, I had picked up some books, used books, old sermons. And one of his sermons was, Quit your sinning. <laughs> that was actually a sermon of a Methodist evangelist. Quit your sinning. Well, Carrie Nation tried to do that. Went around with axes and her, and her women. I think she was from Kentucky. And busting up the whiskey stores. Trying to, that's we're getting the prohibition. I guess that's where the, ultimately the prohibition came from. Back in the 20s and 30s until they, they voted it out. Well, you know what? I don't like drinking. I know from the scriptures that a certain a child of God ought not to be imbibing in any alcoholic beverages. Our covenant says we abstain from all alcoholic beverages as a beverage. We got no business doing that. I don't even like it for lost people. I see on those detective shows, the majority of women that get abducted and brutally raped and murdered and left in a ditch someplace, they start out at a, at a local pub, at a beer joint or some dive on some road. They went in there, two or three girls went in there, women went in there, they're going to have some fun tonight. Well, they're going to get in there and they're going to drink and they're going to get drunk, and then those girls leave one of them, by, and then somebody, two or three guys pick her up, and they take her out and get her drunker, 
than what she even was. And they do everything they want to to her. And then they murder her and leave her in a ditch someplace. And that's where it started. You said, well, she had a right to go there. Well, she exercised her right and look what it did. Sometimes you need to hold off on your rights. I have a right to get in my wheelchair and ride down Skid Row at midnight. I got a right to do that. But what might that lead to? You have to think a little beyond your rights. Well, I, I don't think people should be drinking. I think it's a shame and a disgrace. The amount of people that think nothing of going to the liquor barn and buying their whiskey and they're coming out with their big, ah, oh, they're going to go have a, have a party and going to get drunk. And what else are they going to do? No telling. Anything and everything, anything. I don't think people should do, be doing that. That's a terrible thing. But I know this. If every bottle of whiskey, every bottle of beer, and every bottle of wine all of a sudden blew up on the shelves, and all of the distilleries and the wineries blew up, they are no more. There would still be the same number of people Dying and going to hell. That's not going to stop the sin. And you know, we have not been put in this world. We here at Richmond Road Baptist Church, anybody like us. We haven't been put in this world to straighten the world out. I can't, I can't straighten, I have a rough, I can't get myself straightened out. Let alone everybody else. That's not my job. I can't control what other people do. I can't control what my wife does. I can't control, control what my children do. We all uh, at, in the church are under the control of the word of God, but not my word. It's God's word. So that's not what we're here for. We're not going to straighten the nation out. I'm a, I, you take, when I had an opportunity to try to stop some alcohol, when they got it over there across the road, out of all this neighborhood, all these big old churches around here, and all these church members, I went down to the alcohol beverage control place at the appointed time to protest putting a beer license across the road. And do you know who I had with me? Not one person. I had to go down there by myself and withstand the builder of that restaurant or that store that was trying to get that beer license. I, but I did. You better believe I did. It didn't work. I couldn't do it. He outsmarted me. He built his building back just far enough away that that, that uh, law didn't, didn't apply to him. And when they started selling it, I told him, I said, when you see the law over there, you need to understand. It was Jerry Gum, G-U-M-M, that called the law. Don't you even concern yourself with who called the law on you when I catch people popping a top on your lot. It will be Jerry Gum. You got that? Because I'm not afraid of you. And I called the police so much, they got mad at me. Because they did nothing about it. The law doesn't help you do anything. 
Unless, unless it's just you. They'd have put me in jail if they could have. Now, they're still it over there right now. But I tried to stop it. I can't do anything more than that. I can vote against it. I can do what I can. But I don't believe anybody else helped me. I know they didn't. Because I looked around and lo, I was by myself. Hmm. Didn't have any help. Well, salvation saves us from the wrath of God. I never liked to see my daddy mad at me. That hurt when my daddy got mad at me. It hurt big time. When my daddy whooped me, it didn't hurt him worse than it did me. It hurt me far worse than it did him. Oh, I was just, well, no, it, 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 it hurt me. It didn't hurt him. I didn't want to see him or my mother either mad at me. But way beyond that, I don't want God to be mad at me. Am I sure that God's never been mad at me? No, I'm not sure of that at all. I'll have to wait and see. But I don't want God mad at me. And I know this, when I was saved, the wrath of God was removed from my head. And I then became one whom God loves. Now I said, well, wasn't he, didn't he love you in eternity, in election? Yeah, he did. But not, a, not until then. Up until that time, I was a child of wrath, even by nature. Yeah. So, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, Romans 1 says. Now, how was the wrath of God revealed from heaven? Look what he did with Adam and Eve. When they sinned against him, ate the fruit he told them not to. He drove them out of the garden. But first he put a curse on Eve, put a curse on Adam, put a curse on the serpent, and put a curse on the earth. And we all still suffer from that. Every time you see a hurricane, or a tornado, or an earthquake, or a volcano eruption, or a drought, or a rainstorm, a flood. Where was it? There was a flood in Alaska, of all places, on the news today, or tomorrow, yesterday. East Kentucky about washed away. So, well, what caused all that? Adam did it in the Garden of Eden. That's when the curse was placed. You've got to understand the world that we're living in and why do people get sick and die? It's because of sin and our depraved nature. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment and that's what you better be worried about after this the judgment. But if you're in Christ, if you've been saved, you've been delivered from the wrath of God. Well, You've also been delivered from the curse of the law. Quickly look at Galatians. Chapter 3. Verse 13. This ought to be precious to you. If you're saved, this ought to be precious to you. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. What is the curse of the law? Look at Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. Look at the curse of the law. There's the law. It is holy. It is perfect. It is good. And it never will go out of existence. But here's the curse of it. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The law can save nobody. Albeit there are so many religionists <coughs> that are trying to be saved by keeping the law. Can't do it. Can't do it. But Jesus Christ, He hasn't redeemed everybody, folks. I'm sorry to tell you. He hasn't redeemed everybody. Everybody has not been redeemed. When He died on the cross, He died. He, thou shalt call His name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. He hasn't died for everyone. So well, who's he died for? His people. And how are his people known? I know how they're known. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And that is in repentance and faith. That's how we know the redeemed ones who have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Oh, believe me. The law would find you wherever you go. <laughs> you can't hide from the law. I mean, you are public enemy number one. To the law. You remember those? John Dillinger and all them? And that's when they invented the FBI. Back then I guess it was good. Not anymore. The, the Democrats got a hold of it. But they found John Dillinger. Gunned him down on the streets of Chicago. And they, they found Bonnie and Clyde. They found Pretty Boy Floyd. Machine Gun Kelly. Al Capone. Well, it got, the IRS got Al Capone, but he died in prison. Syphilis. What can I say? But let me tell you what, folks. I don't want to be chased by the law of man. I don't want the police after me. I don't want them chasing me down. I want to abide by the law as much as I can. Ain't no cop going to have to chase me. If he wants me to pull over, put a light on, I'm pulled over. And I say, sir, I do what he says. I'm not going to run from him. I'm not going to stub up on him. But if you're on the wrong side of the law of God, brother, sister, the law of God's going to get you. Real quick, look over at the 20th chapter of Revelation I'm going to show you how the law of God is going to ultimately get you. <laughs> Verse 11, chapter 20. And I saw a great white throne, 
And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, that's all about dead people, small and great, that's kings, princes, presidents, governors, great men. They're burying the queen tomorrow, queen of England. I don't know that you'll ever see another funeral quite like this one that's coming up. Then you got a king there in England now, and when he croaks, you'll see another one of them. But let me tell you what, if the queen of England hadn't repented and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, she's burning in hell as we speak. Now, I didn't vilify her. I said if she hadn't. I hope she had. I hope she had trusted the Lord. But I don't know her heart, and I don't know yours. I barely know mine. But if you're not in Christ, the moment you close your eyes in death, you open your eyes in hell. Read uh, Luke 16. Anyway, the books were opened. Now, what books? Well, I think that's one of them right there, the book of the law. Anyway, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. No, that's not fish. I've heard of one teaching that they, there were fish in the ocean. which would be resurrected for that. No, that's all the dead people, people that have died. We used to bury them at sea when I was in the Navy. I've buried coffins and even urns of ashes. Go to the deep six. But when the resurrection day comes, they'll all come up out and say, how will the Lord find them? How did he create them? <laughs> Ain't no bigger deal for him to find them than he did creating them. I mean, you're the same one. Anyway, <clears throat> the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell, that's death in the grave, delivered up their uh, Hades and the grave, uh, delivered the things up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Now who all will stand at the great white throne judgment? Everybody. Well, I thought I got away with breaking God's law. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no. When I, we crossed the equator, going to Australia, my carrier, I got a picture of it in my room. Uh, we pulled in Sydney Harbor. Big deal. But getting there, we crossed the equator. Well, if you've never crossed the equator before, you're a polywog. If you've crossed it, you're a shellback. But you don't become a shellback from a polywog with much ease. You go through an initiation. And I mean it is major. It took them all day. Right on that equator. Right crossing the equator. Right there. That equatorial sun. We're up on the flight deck. And let me tell you buddy. There is some rough stuff that goes on shillelaghs. I don't know how much garbage I swam through. 
Lots. How much was I dumped into a sea of garbage on a, on a teeter-totter board? I, board. I had to lay out and they dumped me down in a, a vat of garbage. I mean, food scraps, garbage we'd been saving from San Francisco. And now we're all the way down to the equator. Did you ever go through that? Let me tell you, I've got pictures of it back there. They got graphite grease in one of my eyes, and I had to wear a black patch on it when I hit the beach. Anyway, like put my eye out. I mean, it was awful. No, But you know what? Even the executive officer, the second in command on our ship, had never been across. They put him in the royal coffin to start with that morning, and it was a, a coffin that had holes in it. But it was almost full of garbage. And that dear brother, he was a commander. Uh, be like a, a, a lieutenant colonel. And that lieutenant colonel got a, got a, a, a gold leaf. He got some, I think he's got some hash on his scrambled eggs on it. He's pretty high up. But just a four striper, a, a silver leaf was our captain. And he was one under him. You mess Alexitos. He stayed in that garbage, in that coffin, in that garbage all day long. At least we were out in the open. They, and then beat you with shillelaghs, fire hoses with rags in them, crawling through a garbage chute. Man, all day long. Sunburned and everything. And then you became a shellback. But I never got a chance to initiate anybody else. But I am a golden shellback. We crossed the international date line and the equator right at the exact same point. Anyway, you know what? Everybody said, well, I'm going I'm to hide. <laughs> you know what they did? They got the pay list out. You might have been off of some other list. But everybody's on that pay list. And as you went through, you got checked off. And if you were hiding, you didn't want them to find you because they would find you. They'd scour that whole ship and find you. You couldn't escape it. Well, let me tell you, at the great white throne judgment, nobody will escape it. And they will be judged from the books of God, the Bible, the law of God, the book of remembrance. So, who's going to be there? <laughs> Everybody. You can't run from the law of God. But Jesus was made a curse for all of his people. Man, what relief. Man, what peace. You're saved from the curse of the law. You're saved from the wrath of God. You're saved from the guilt of, of your sins, the condemnation of your sin and the punishment of your sin. You're saved from your evil conscience. We've already been there. Uh, Brother Dave got us over there, Hebrews 10. Look back at Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled. Now what that sprinkle refers back to, this is the book of Hebrews. And this takes us back to the book of Leviticus. 
to the Old Testament law. That's why Paul is the author here, because he was well versed in the Old Testament law. But sprinkled. Now what did the high priest do on the day of atonement when he went into the Holy of Holies? He sprinkled the blood of, of the goat on the mercy seat. And so you're having your conscience sprinkled. If our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the word. But our, our conscience and our evil conscience. Well, what is your evil conscience? You hear people say, well, let your conscience be your guide. That would be all right if you wasn't depraved. But your conscience is not a dependable guide. Because your conscience is just as evil as you are. And when you're saved, you're saved from that evil conscience. And then from an evil heart, a new heart enables us to go before God. It's not perfect, but it's good. You go in the book of Jeremiah, at least five times, he talks about an evil heart. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 talks about an evil heart of unbelief. So, we're saved from all of that. We're saved from the fear of death. Uh, real quick look at Luke chapter 2. Now I hear a lot of people talking about sickness and dying and oh, somebody died. And I understand we don't want to see our loved ones die. But we must understand that our loved ones are going to die. You may die before them, but they, then their loved one is dying. You ever think about that? When you die, your loved ones have just had their loved one die. And nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody with a normal mind wants that or, or enjoys that. But Luke 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. He was justified. The only one way you can be justified before God. And that's in the blood of the Lamb. And he was devout. He was a sincere servant of God. And waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You talk about giving a man something to look for. Huh. Well, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people and a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. That old man wasn't fearing death, folks. 
He didn't have a bit of fear of death. People say, oh, you can't tell my loved one that they've got limited amount of time. I've had people tell me, oh, don't say anything to daddy. Don't say anything to mama. Don't even say, say anything to them about that we've got word that they're going to live a few days. Why can't people face the fact that they're going to die? I believe a child of God who's taught in the word of God will be just about like Simeon. Simeon was old man. He done lived here all he wanted to. <laughs> but he said, God's not going to let you die yet. You got to see the Lord's Christ. You got to see the, the deliverer of Israel. The deliverer of all of his people. And there that old man, how did he know him? I think the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, guided him to him and he knew him when he saw him. I don't think there was a halo around his head. I think the Lord revealed to him, this is him. And his parents gave, let him hold. He said, my hands now have seen and held, touched the salvation of Israel. Now, Lord, can I go now? <laughs> can I go in peace? Because I am at peace, Lord. Go ahead and take me home now. I'm ready to go. You're not fearing death. Oh, don't tell Father he's going to die. Hey, we're all going to die. Why can't we face that? Well, if you're in Christ, you can face it a lot better than people who are not. Well, people hate to die because they don't know where they're going. They're afraid to meet their own deeds, and everybody knows those, there's a judgment day coming. They all know that. Anyway, we lose the fear of death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. We get saved from the power of Satan and his kingdom of darkness. I look uh, Luke chapter 8 real quick now that's not to say that Satan doesn't still have some influence on us because he does when you reveal yourself as a child of God and you reveal yourself as a believer in the word of God literally you believe the Bible is the word of God and you're not afraid to declare it let me tell you that you've got a big target on your back and on your chest. Satan is after you. It's always been that way. And it still is that, that way. But look at Luke chapter 8. In verse 26. They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes. Which is over against Galilee. That's up north in Israel. By the sea of Galilee. And when he went forth to land. There met him out of the city a certain man. Which had Demons, devils in the plural is demons. A long time. He'd been, he had been possessed by demons for a long time. And where he wore no clothes. See, nudity comes from demons. God said wear clothes. In Genesis he said wear clothes. But no, nudity comes from demons. Evil and nor, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. He lived amongst the tombs. He lived in a graveyard. 
And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Well, I believe that's a demon talking out of him, talking through him. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for oftentimes. It had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands. He had superhuman strength and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many demons were entered into him. These demons are speaking through his voice box. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. That's the abyss. I think that's a bottomless pit. And there were, was there and heard of many swine as hogs feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would allow them to enter into them. They wanted to go into that herd of, of hogs. And he suffered them, allowed them, sent them out of that man into that herd of hogs. And look what happened to that herd of hogs. Then went the demons out of the man, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. They, they drowned. And where'd those demons go? I assume they went down to the bottomless pit and we find them again in Revelation chapter 9 coming out of it. Anyway, when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, the ones that fed the hogs, and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man, that is the man that was indwelt by many legions of demons, out of whom the demons were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed. <laughs> well, the man has changed and in his right mind, huh? And they were afraid. Why would you be afraid of a man clothed and in his right mind that had been a wild man you'd been afraid of? Now, why would you be afraid of him? He's now normal. The Lord has done a work of grace in him. Driven out the demons. Well, then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. Anyway, we don't have to be afraid of the devil. What we have to do is depart from him. Draw nigh to God and flee from the devil. And he'll get away from you. How did Jesus defeat him? With the word of God. He said, the devil said to Jesus, said, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Being as you're about to starve to death, you're so hungry. He said, man shall not live by, but by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the scriptures. And that's how all three times there, Jesus defeated him. That's how we must defeat him. First, you've got to know the scriptures to use them and to defeat him. Anyway, we're saved from eternal death. Now, oh, I can go to 2 Thessalonians 2 or go back to Revelation 20 and see eternal death. That's not fun to talk about. 
I do not delight at all in the fact that people that do not repent and trust the Lord are going to spend eternity in hell fire. That does not make me happy. The older I, I get, the more it just, I don't like it. I love it because it's God's will, but I, it, just, it, it just bothers me. Because I know that I, I deserve to go there too. But by the grace of God, He chose me and saved me from it. And I didn't deserve it, still don't deserve it. But look at here. Death and hell, verse 14, chapter 20. We're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death is a separation. Adam died in the Garden of Eden, physically separated from the presence of God. He's driven out of the garden. And he was spiritually separated from God. Just like every normal human being born in this world is separated from God. Nobody's born saved. And if you haven't been saved, you're not saved. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now we find Matthew's references, many, 25, many references. That lake of fire burns forever. It says, the worm dieth not. It will never annihilate those in it. And it says that the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. Again, I'm not happy about that. I'm very somber about that. And I would to God that everybody listen to this. That you would be saved. I don't want you to go to hell. I want people to go to heaven. I want you to have the same blessings that I have. I want you to know what it feels like to be saved. It's, it's a great relief. All right. They were singing. Salvation.